Welcome into the show. I'm Cardinals broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. And today, in a way, it's bittersweet. You heard Randy and Michelle celebrating the life of Chris Duncan during their program. And while we all mourn his passing, we try to take the good away from his life as well. So again, today, we are celebrating what would have been Chris Duncan's 39th birthday. We have brought back the Dunctionary t-shirt for a limited time. And now through Friday, May 22nd, you can order one of these limited edition Dunctionary t-shirts and all proceeds will support the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund. Find out more information on the Chris Duncan Scholarship Fund at chrisduncanscholarship.com. I'll have a tribute to Chris later in the show and visit with one of his best friends today, and that's Brad Thompson, his former teammate and member of the Fast Lane. I'll get to your text messages later in the program. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Chris Duncan or some of the topics we get into this morning. 65780 on the Air Comfort Service text line and some mic drops on the Rhino Shield mic drop. We start with baseball this morning. Yesterday, a ton of reaction to what may or may not happen with Yadier Molina. We talked about it with Ricky Horton. Now, last week in an interview with ESPN, he said that he wants to continue playing beyond this year. He'd prefer to stay right here with the Cardinals. However, if that's not the case, he could finish elsewhere. Cardinals broadcaster Ricky Horton, guest yesterday on the show. Does he stay in St. Louis? I hope he does. I believe he will. Uh, I don't fault him for making the comments that he made. I, you know, everybody's at a regroup moment right now in, in terms of, well, wait a minute. You know, the, he would have thought by this time he would have had 30-plus games under his belt. And he would then, you know, and, and, and the number of at-bats and home runs and RBIs and all the things that Yachty amassed in his career headed towards the Hall of Fame are very important to him, as they should be. And so for him to be thinking that, boy, if, I, if I'm not playing this half a year or or a quarter of a year or whatever it may end up being that he misses, uh, you know, it, it may give me some incentive to want to play longer. And and, and I hope the Cardinals uh, will will be the place I play, but I, but I have to cover all my bases. So I, I don't blame him for making that comment at all, uh, but I sure hope that and, and I sure hope and think that he's going to stay a Cardinal. This is Yachty's 17th season in the major leagues. Hard to believe 17 years for Yadier Molina, 16 as the starter for the Cardinals. Right now, I think he's in the Hall of Fame right now. If it ended today, I've watched him and been behind the mic for most of his games in the majors. Now, what would solidify his resume? He's one gold glove shy of 10. That's a major milestone. Another world championship would probably do it as well. That would give him three. Also, he's got a chance to be the all-time leader in games caught and most innings by a catcher. Now, that's only going to happen if he continues to play. Ben Fredrickson of the Post-Dispatch was a guest on the Redbird Report last night. And while winning is always first and foremost, he brings up a really interesting thought. Really interesting. Being reunited with a couple of old friends. I don't think this is a guy who's going to go play for a team that doesn't have a chance. Now, if it, if it offered him a chance to win a World Series, I could see him being interested in that. The other team that I think you have to look out for, to some degree, is the Angels. I mean, think about that, Dan. The Angels have... Albert Pujols under contract through 2021. They have a competitive, more competitive team now than they've had. They've got Mike Trout, Otani. Um, they also have Tony Larusa <laughs> advising the the front office out there, and Joe Madden, who has campaigned for a veteran catcher. So that would be the team, if I'm a Cardinals fan, that I'd worry about. But hopefully, it doesn't get to that point. Yachty in Los Angeles. I hadn't thought about that. I don't think it happens. But then again, I didn't think that Albert Pujols would be there either. Hopefully, we see baseball sooner rather than later. 
There's baseball being played, if you didn't know this, in the KBO. ESPN signed a deal to broadcast their games. Jeff Passan, baseball insider for ESPN. I don't know if this is a light at the end of the tunnel because things have gone so differently in Korea. You know, they, they are lower than 10 coronavirus cases per day right now. But the fact that they're playing it all, I think, gives us hope here that we are going to see baseball at some point this year. And let's get into that. So what about here? This is what you have to take away as they begin their season. Korea had less than 50 new cases of the coronavirus per day, and that was in early April. And single digits now, as Jeff mentioned. Also, players had gotten their temperature taken upon arriving for their quote-unquote spring training 2.0. And the bottom line is, is that testing and monitoring uh, those tests and players are key before any of these sports are going to be played. Pitcher Ian Snell, a guest on ESPN Radio. The only thing that I cared about was like, uh, like what testing we'd be able to do for the virus to make sure like everyone is as safe and healthy as possible. And that's something that they've really been looking into. So as long as we have stuff that uh, is put in place to make sure that we're we're in no risk or no danger of uh, catching the coronavirus, and I'm I'm on board wherever we play. However, when that, it doesn't matter to me. So, what if there are games, but there were no fans? Would that bother you at all? I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. For me, not one bit. It isn't ideal, but if it's what we have to do to bring sports back, then count me in. I'm all for it. No spectators, no problem, and most in America agree. According to a new study in which fans were surveyed about watching sports with no crowds, it was 65% to 35%. They would prefer to watch televised sporting events without crowds and those who only want sports to return when there are fans in the stands. Also, 76% in the study of fans in the survey support the return of sports without fans in the stands if players are kept in hotels and their contact is closely monitored. 88% of fans said they would watch either way. So what's the latest with the National Hockey League? Teams had until last Friday to submit bids to the league to be one of the four cities chosen as a centralized quote-unquote bubble site for season resumption. And between 11 and 14 teams submitted bids. The Blues were one of them, apparently, and that list is expected to be whittled down a bit this week. Now, it's doubtful the league gets right to the Final Four this early in the process, and it's not a guarantee the league and NHLPA Go for the foresight route for the season resumption format. I can tell you this. Now, the Blues and Enterprise Center and Centene, that seems to be a fit. And the reason why is you have to follow the money. Think about the advertising, the dashboards upgraded, the technology upgraded at Enterprise Center, and the ability to have individual advertising is something to think about for all these different teams that would come to any particular city. That's the NHL. What about the NBA? Where are they in returning to play? ESPN NBA insider Brian Windhorst addressed that. The NBA right now is not interested in using any resources whatsoever to get back playing again because they want to protect the people who need those resources. And to a second extent, they absolutely do not want to have even the minor appearance that they're using resources. The second thing I think that is important is, you know, even though Tim and I did a lot of work to figure out the size of the bubble, which was bare minimum 1,500 people to bring back all 30 teams and finish all the regular season games and playoffs. And to get to that 1,500 number, we went through a lot of work. And the reason we need it to be 
that small is because that's what the experts and the doctors say you need. And right now, the NBA is not interested in having a bubble where the players have to be isolated from their families and their friends. I don't know where we are, but I do not see the NBA returning in the short term if they stick to those two policies. So what could be a plan? One of the things that has been discussed is, all right, why don't we just shut down for now and start again in the fall and start by picking up this season and finishing it and then proceeding right into the next season. Um, basically having a year with no off season. Now there would be some complications with that, with, with the draft and free agency. Uh, you could maybe have the draft over the summer and then the players wouldn't play right away. Um, while you finished my guess in that scenario was it'd just be a playoff only. Um, but as a, as a total one-off sort of solution, why not just say, hey, listen, let's just let everything calm down. Speaking of more from the NBA, Michael Jordan, The Last Dance. Now, this is not a, a one of those lifestyles that you envy, you know, where you can't, you're confined to this, this, this room. I'm ready for getting out of this life, you know. So you, you know when you get to that point, I'm there. And with no reservations at all, I'm there. You think people miss sports? The Last Dance continues to pull in massive ratings. This coming down last night, and the numbers are in from the first six episodes. It is averaging 5.8 million viewers. That's 63% more viewers than the next closest ESPN documentary, which was all the way back in 2012, You Don't Know Bo. On to the National Football League. The NFL has canceled its five planned international games this year in light of the pandemic. And the league had planned to again play four games in London, one in Mexico City, as part of their efforts to find new fans and revenue abroad. That has now been canceled. College sports. Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren said that the conference is at least six weeks away from making key determinations. And the conference, quote, extended the hold on all organized team activities setting June 1st as the new date to reevaluate. Some news in college basketball. Louisville received a notice of allegations from the NCAA, including one level one allegation involving improper recruiting offers for former signee Brian Bowen and the coach of another prospect, and three level two allegations, including one against former basketball coach, I know it's a shocker, Rick Pitino. The NCAA alleges that Pitino, who was just hired at Iona, did not satisfy his head coach responsibility when he failed to promote an atmosphere of compliance. You think? You think that's maybe happened with Rick Pitino and others? How does he get hired at Iona? Pretty simple, he wins. Gary Parrish, college basketball insider at CBS Sports. Given the history of scandal within his program, uh, I do think it's important to point out that he has never, Rick Pitino, been directly tied to anything, and that does matter. But, you know, the charge is promoting a, uh, an atmosphere of compliance. I have actually set in on a coaches meeting at a Power 5 school where the head coach said, I don't want anybody doing anything that could violate my contract and get me fired. He was verbally making sure he is promoting an atmosphere of compliance. Either Rick Petito didn't do that or his staff members uh, didn't listen or care. Either way. Um, it, it's a problem. Now, finally, this day is about raising money for Chris Duncan's foundation on what would have been his 39th birthday. And I've been asked about some of my favorite calls before, and I never get the question, which one has been the hardest? Which comment has been the hardest? Last season, for fans that may remember, Anthony Stalter called me in the middle of a game we were doing 
between the Pittsburgh Pirates and the St. Louis Cardinals. And with the blessing of the family, uh, he asked, Anthony did, that I would be the one to deliver the news of the passing of Chris Duncan. Thank you, Jimmy. I just got the, uh, just an awful phone call. And I wanted to take it. And uh, I wanted to make sure that I get this out there for Cardinal fans. But uh, Chris Duncan has passed away. And that was uh, relayed to me, and that's why I asked you to take it out of break. But they wanted to let the uh, Cardinal fans and um, and those in our viewing audience know that Chris Duncan has passed away at the age of 38. Our thoughts and prayers with Shelly and Dave and their entire family. Very, very sad news. The emotions from that night, very, very tough for many of us associated with the St. Louis Cardinals the fan base. I didn't know Chris very well as a player. And as he told me later when we worked together and I got to know him very well, he said, Dan, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I wasn't a great interview or source of info background for you uh, when I was playing. And in typical dunk fashion, he said, I literally was just worried about catching a fly ball. And that was Chris Duncan in a nutshell. He later would talk and he became a fixture on our games. And he was absolutely sensational. A rising star, glib, honest, funny, incredible insight, and a riser in this business. And if not for the insidious disease that he fought so courageously, he would have been my partner in the booth next to me for many, many years to come doing Cardinals baseball. I miss Chris Duncan. I know the listeners do as well. So let's try and raise uh, as much money as we can today in the following weeks. I'll talk it over with Brad Thompson, his great friend and teammate, when we come back on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to 101 ESPN. I'm Cardinals announcer Dan McLaughlin. Again today would have been Chris Duncan's 39th birthday. There are limited edition Dunctionary t-shirts available to benefit the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund. All orders are placed now through Friday, May 22nd. Make your order at chrisduncanscholarship.com. Chris Duncan was a first-round pick in 1999, the 46th overall pick. He made his Major League debut in 05, became a world champion in 06. His career average, 257, and he popped 55 home runs. And a towering drive to right field, and that should go. It is a way back and gone. For Chris Duncan at 6'5 and 210, he got all of it. His fifth home run of the year, and the Cardinals first to get on the board, leading one to The nothing. great Vince Scully on the call from Dodger Stadium. Dunk was defined by his power. To the track, to the wall, and it's gone. Pujols and Duncan go back to back. Now, Chris was a first baseman by trade, but with a guy named Pujols at first, those opportunities were limited. So, it was the outfield, a spot he wasn't used to, a place that provided some adventures, but always, always, there was the effort. Fly ball out to shallow left, Duncan over, sliding catch, nicely done. Injuries from that type of effort cut his career short and was off to broadcasting and to the Pima County Sports Hall of Fame. All we cared about was baseball. All we wanted to do was go outside and play baseball. All we did was go to the cages and and hit baseballs. It was almost like an obsession, I I would call it. And then most of all, my brother. You know, I grew up just kind of chasing him around. He was uh, setting all the records, hitting all the home runs, and I was just 
year and a half younger, just chasing them around, trying to keep up with them. So having my dad, having my brother kind of <clears throat> lead the way, I was very fortunate. I was very lucky to be in that type of environment. And uh, thanks to my dad, mostly, and my brother, to be honest with you. So so want to thank, thank you to everybody, and I'm, I'm glad to be here. This is a special moment. Thank you. Well-spoken, thoughtful, respectful. And that was Chris Duncan. Let's turn to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and bring in Brad Thompson from the Fast Lane and Dunk's longtime teammate, one of his best friends. Brad, I appreciate you jumping on the show. Looking forward to hearing you uh, this afternoon. When you think of Dunk, uh, you guys were so close. Uh, what, what comes to mind for you? Well, I'd say there there are so many different aspects of Dunk that, that I loved and missed. But, but one thing that comes to mind right off the bat is just uh, the, the term gamer. I mean, this guy, uh, just fr- from a baseball standpoint, he was so ready to rock and roll every single day. And Dan, you, you know him, you know the way that he prepared, you know that he, the way that he went about it. And you know when he got on the field that he just wanted to beat everybody. And I, I, I loved it so much. I think that I've told you the story uh, before, but, but uh, it, it is perfect for today. Of the first time that I saw Dunk play was in 2004, and it was the first game of the season in in double a in the southern league against the chattanooga lookouts because in spring training he was with the triple a team the whole time i was with the double a team the whole time and he didn't come down until the final day so i didn't really get a chance to see chris duncan play the he gets on first i think he walked and, and got on first there was a, a little weak ground ball to second base and Chris Duncan blew the shortstop just into <laughs> left field, dude. It was like, I was like, oh my gosh, is that what we do here? Is this baseball now? This is how we play. And like, I, I saw him blow him up and it got me so excited that like, this is real. This is no more touchy feely. Like, this is like, this is double A. This is real deal baseball. We're a couple of steps away from the big leagues. And my man was just always ready. And he played with that intensity and, and and when I when I say like he blows somebody up at second base, or I watched him truck catchers when, when you were able to do something like that, man, there was no malice in what he does and what he did. He didn't have vendettas. He wasn't trying to hurt people. He just wanted to win, and he wanted to win all the time, and he wanted to do it for for our team. And so gamer is one of the first things that I think. About. I also think mentally tough because nepotism yeah. was going to follow him in the Cardinals organization. And I'm not sure the Cardinals did him a favor by drafting him because of his father, but yet he was able to get through that. Take me to the minor leagues and then in the major leagues of dealing with nepotism. If it was there at all, what was that like for him? Yeah, I think that's one of the most common misconceptions about Chris Duncan and his career is that it was an easy path for him to the big leagues because his dad is, in my opinion, a Hall of Famer. I, I think that Dave Duncan should be in, in there with Tony, and maybe one of these days it'll happen. Uh, maybe he'll be a Cardinal Hall of Famer. I, I believe he deserves both of those accolades. But I, I think it worked totally the opposite for Chris Duncan because there was so much scrutiny on him, and there were so many eyeballs and so many people thinking that way, whether it's coaches throughout the organization or other players, like, oh, here, here comes daddy's boy, can't do any wrong. Uh, Chris had to earn every little bit of it, and he did. Every single level along the way, he succeeded. And uh, Dunk famously would make fun of his defensive shortcomings, right? But he worked so hard 
to get better and better at each aspect. So we remember when he got to the big leagues and, you know, he's, he's struggling in the outfield. Well, my man was a, a first baseman all throughout the minor leagues and tried to figure out things at a big league level. Uh, and I, I just don't think that aspect of it was easy. I, I do agree with your original idea of maybe they didn't do him any favors by picking him because Dunk was going to be a first-round talent. He he had that written all over him. He had first-round grades coming out of, of high school. I don't know if that grades in the classroom, but grades <laughs> baseball-wise, uh, he had first-round grades, and he was going to make it to the big league somewhere. And who knows? Maybe he would have made it a little bit faster in an organization uh, that, first of all, wasn't as stacked as the Cardinals had been for a couple of decades, and one where his dad wasn't there. So if you get fast-tracked, everybody's not going to say, oh, well, of course, of course, you're in the big leagues. My man earned every bit of it. When you think back to your scoreless streak uh, and the defense in the minor leagues that you have to have behind you, at one point, you did have Chris Duncan behind you. Uh, was he a little nervous that the ball was going to be hit to him? One of my favorite, uh, my favorite stories. So before the final game, it ended up being the final game, didn't know at the time, that I had this streak going on. The local news in, it was uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. The local news had come out. They did you know, interviews. They were interviewing people. They were talking about the streak uh, because it was a modern-day record. Um, they thought it was an all-time record at the time, and they found something from 1906 that I was going to break if I had like four more scoreless innings. And Dunk found out during the interview while they were watching on TV in the clubhouse. I wasn't trying to pay attention, (laughs) but it was on TV, right? He finds out that it's not just earned runs. It's any runs. Like, I hadn't given up a run at all. Uh, Earned, unearned, no nothing. He's like, this is unearned runs too. If I make an error, we're screwed. We lose it. And everybody's like, you're fine, buddy. And he, he got the, I'll use a Duncanism here. He got the tight cheeks pretty quick. And he was, <laughs> he was all nervous. And was like, what do you mean? What if I kick a couple? So he, uh, I, I love that aspect. And Dunk, by the way, Dunk made tons of web gems for me throughout that. I had so many, you know me, uh, Dan, I wasn't, overpowering by weren't striking out a lot of guys yeah no man i'm 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 getting weak ground balls all over the place i still owe skip schumacher a couple of steak dinners for uh, all the the catches that he made for me but dunk was great he was the first baseman the entire time during uh during the streak so he didn't let anything by him brad thompson of the fast lane is my guest and Again, we're reflecting on the life of Chris Duncan and trying to raise some money and awareness for a great cause and his foundation. Uh, Brad, I'm, I'm really curious of what kind of teammate he was because from the outside looking in, he was intense, he was focused, there wasn't a lot of talk with the media. We already talked about some of the situations that he dealt with, with whether it be nepotism or the fact that he's playing out of position. But yet, I know as a teammate, he was phenomenal. Take me behind the curtain a little bit and what kind of teammate he was. Well, I'll tell you this. One of my favorite things that has happened uh, in the career of Chris Duncan that that did happen was the fact that he got to do the radio and people got to find out the personality that Chris had. Because that's the Chris that we got to know is the guy that has everybody rolling laughing. I mean, there are times in the clubhouse where it starts out with three of us sitting in the corner, then all of a sudden there's 10, 12 people there of Chris telling stories about him and Shelly and 
he's holding court, you know, and he was just one of those guys that his personality shined. But when it was time to play, he locked all of that up. And I know that you and I have had this conversation in the past as well. When it came to the media, he he was very vanilla. His answers would be straight and narrow because his thought was, hey, this isn't my place. This isn't this is that's Albert. That's Roland or that's Jimmy. I'm just going to answer the questions and move on. And I think a lot of that comes with the baseball life that he was brought up in with Dave. But he was one of those guys, and it's cliche to say, but very true when it came to Chris. Chris would do anything for you, but it wouldn't be the – it wouldn't even be like – people – there are a lot of people in our lives that, that'll do something. If you need some help, they're there for you. If you call, they're, they're going to be there. Dunk was very proactive in being a teammate. I mean, he'd reach out to people, hey, you're doing good. Hey, you, you, you want to come over here? Or, hey, you want to do this? Like he was always one of those people that was extending that olive branch of, of friendship and, and being a teammate. And he really was just one of those guys that if you had an opportunity to be around for a couple of minutes, you're different for it. And, and you're changed because of it. It's just so polarizing. And, and I miss that aspect of Chris just so much. I miss going to the radio station and him just saying something and me cracking up laughing, just being around the guy and the personality is what I miss the most. I, I bet too. He's about as old school, a pro baseball player as it gets. He was kind of a throwback, wasn't he? I mean, he played hard, but, but there was some times I'm sure that you, Brad Thompson and Chris Duncan uh, played a little hard off the, uh, off the field too. You know what? Chris and I had, uh, we had a good time. Wasn't and milk and cookies. ourselves. No, you know what? They seem to run out of those on team flights oftentimes. <laughs> so so Chris and I Chris and I sat across from each other on the plane, like same row, but we each had, we each had our own row across the aisle from each other. And I, I believe that the flight attendants started getting uh, a little worn out from all the cardio that they were doing, going uh, uh-huh. every time they come by, we're like, hey, can we get a couple Bud Lights, two Bud Lights, two Bud Lights? We finally got about, uh, and this was, 06 because uh 05 i think we we behaved ourselves a little bit better uh and then uh then 06 maybe we got comfortable certainly not the word but comfortable enough to ask for a couple of drinks on, on the plane and the the flight attendants got to the point where they knew where we sat every time and we would each have a tray of beer under us and at, at least 12 of them under, under each one of our seats so they didn't have to run as much and i remember the first time <laughs> and i remember the first time dunk looks under his seat and he looks at me, I look under my seat, and he goes, not going to drink themselves. I said, yeah, buddy, let's do this. How about, we had some fun. How about your favorite memory between the white lines of Chris Duncan? Do you have one that comes to mind? You know what is uh, the, the one that comes to mind is his first major league home run, honestly, and watching him, watching his dad and seeing the embrace and just everything that we just kind of talked about culminating into a moment where he made it and you know this you're a parent I, I know how proud you are of all your kids I've got two young kids they do something I'm, I'm, I'm proud of them but I like I can only imagine what that was like for Dave in that moment having his son hit a major league home run he's there he's a part of it they embrace to me that's just one of uh, that's a special moment that transcends baseball that transcends uh, ju- just between the white lines, like like that's a little bit of everything, and it kind of pulls at the heartstrings a little bit. And so for me, that's probably my favorite moment. I wanted to get you on because Brad Thompson was the best of friends in many ways 
with Chris Duncan. So I thought you'd get a great perspective as a listener about what we're trying to do, celebrate his life today all day on 101 ESPN. So I'll wrap it up with this. He's gone now, but yet you were a teammate, a world champion with him, a radio partner, uh, and best of friends, as I mentioned. What do you think his legacy is as you reflect on the life of Chris Duncan? Well, I think that Chris will always be remembered as somebody that his heart was bigger than he was. And that is a that is a large man that Dunk was, and he was an imposing figure. But then you had a chance to talk to him, and, and he would just uh, – he would melt your heart, man. So – for me, it's the fact that he was a giver. He loved everybody. He loved his family. He loved his wife. He loved his teammates. He loved his listeners on the radio. And I think that's going to be the the lasting impression of Dunk, is a guy that just loved everybody. He loved life. He loved baseball. And Dunk, while his life was cut way too short, he didn't waste a minute of it. Brad, you're the best. Look forward to listening to you uh, on the Fast Lane coming up later today. Thanks so much. No problem, Dan. Thanks for having me. Again, there are those limited edition Dunctionary t-shirts available to benefit the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund. All orders are placed now through Friday, May 22nd. Make your order at chrisduncanscholarship.com. We'll get to your text next, 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Also, give us a mic drop, the Rhino Shield mic drop. This is 101 ESPN. He was one of those guys that uh, from A to Z, he gave you the best of times and the hardest of times. He was the funniest guy on the planet and the hardest working guy on the planet. And he uh, had so much range and so much uh, value to our team and our friendships. Um, I said it last night on the air. He was the one who called me when Josh Hancock died. And so... Um, you know, Chris was a, a teammate through and through, and he was born and bred in this game. And, you know, sometimes we always thought that maybe him playing the Cardinals organization was going to hinder him a little bit just because of his father. And you know what? They, they both made the best of it, and it was one of the funnest times of my career to watch his dad watch him play baseball. That was from Cardinals Hall of Famer Jim Edmonds the night after Chris Duncan had passed away. Jimmy was on the Cardinals pregame show and clearly very emotional the night after hearing about the passing of Chris Duncan. Again today, we are celebrating, though, what would have been Dunk's 39th birthday here on 101 ESPN. And there are T-shirts to benefit the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund. And you can get those through May 22nd at chrisduncanscholarship.com. I'm Dan McLaughlin. We head to the Rhino Shield mic drop, and this is Joshua. You know, with the absence of sports and Cardinals baseball, I'm looking forward to the information and perspective that you'll bring. Not just not just now, but going forward. So really just uh, good luck. Yeah, thank you. And as I mentioned yesterday, this is about trying to provide as much information as I can packed in an hour. So even without games being played, uh, there's still tons of info that we can get into concerning the sports world. So that's how I approach trying to do a show. And that's what I'll continue to do every day at 10 o'clock here on 101. How about Scott on the Rhino Shield? Mike Drop. Danny Mac, it's good to hear you on the radio. Um, under unfortunate circumstances, we all get it. I miss you on TV, but I get to hear you every 20 minutes inside Schnook Stores telling everybody to stay distant, wash your hands. Anyways, um, the baseball antibody study, I know they mentioned it. It sounded pretty positive, but I've not heard any news about it since they mentioned it about a couple weeks ago. Do you have any update on what this study is about? Thank you, and have a great show. 
Thanks, Scott. Much appreciated. You know, as far as the studies, what you're referring to is the study that had uh, Major League Baseball in conjunction with major universities and medical facilities, uh, and they conducted the study back in mid-April as a part of a huge, massive study. Now, there were players, uh, stadium workers, they had executives, and this was a 10,000-person study, 10,000. And the goal was aimed to try and figure out how many people in different parts of the United States had been infected uh, with the virus. So the way that they did this study is that they had their fingers pricked, and then that produced blood that was to be tested. And my understanding is that they could not reveal aspects of that testing because of medical privacy laws. But like you, I'm anxious to hear if we can, and I'm not sure we can, uh, what those test results revealed. Um, And that would give us a better idea of opening up various parts of the country, obviously. And I have to say, I'm just delighted you're a Schnook shopper. So I'd rather be telling you when you're at Schnooks about peanuts, buy some peanuts, maybe some beer, hot dog, Cracker Jack, whatever. But uh, social distancing is uh, where we're at right now. From the 314 on the Air Comfort Service text line, there are a lot of great Chris Duncan comments. I'm enjoying them. Do you have a story about broadcasting with Chris that you can share? And yeah, I, I do. There, there was a, a day um, where we were doing a game. And so we were doing the post game and not the actual game. So we're watching it live. And there was an umpire, and I can't remember who it was. And this was incredible insight from Chris. We're, we're doing the post game together. We're watching the game live unfold. It was late in the game. He knew the reliever, the hitter, and the umpire. And he knew that the hitter struggled with the outside corner uh, of of the plate in terms of trying to get there, do some damage with a pitch. And Chris, as we're watching the game, went pitch by pitch before it's thrown on how to get this guy out. And he also knew that the umpire did not like the hitter. So the pitcher knew that as well. Chris knew that. Everybody knew it in the ballpark uh, with both teams. And the pitcher just kept expanding the zone. He guessed every single pitch correctly as it was happening broke it down beautifully, and that's how insightful he can be concerning the game. He was just tremendous in that regard. On the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618, I've been watching on MLB Network and listening to you talk about Albert the last couple of days. Do you have a favorite moment? And I do. Uh, Thanks for texting in. It it would be last year. Um, And so many great moments. The three-home run game at Wrigley. Uh, you think about what he did in Houston and that dramatic home run and postseason play. But I thought with him coming back to St. Louis uh, and so much time had, had gone from the time that he left to coming back, and it was way too long, by the way. Major League Baseball should have had him back well before uh, last year. But him hitting that home run um, and, and just the entire weekend of it, I think that was my favorite moment. But then – to, to have the crowd do what they did, the long ovation every time he went to the plate, and then he hits a home run. Um, I'll never forget that. I think that's probably my favorite Albert moment. It was just, in my mind, it was kind of like closure on the whole situation. Hubbard Radio's deserving delivery saying thank you to those helping care for our community. Today's very deserving delivery is going to the great folks working at Missouri Baptist Sullivan Hospital. Their awesome staff will be enjoying 100 meals today delivered by Emos in Sullivan. And those meals are courtesy of Hubbard St. Louis and our good friends at Two Men and a Spa Dolly. Thank you, Two Men and a Spa Dolly. And our continued gratitude to 
all of those great folks working in our medical community on the front lines from our station and the entire Hubbard St. Louis radio family. Coming up, the crossover with Ribs and BK. This is 101 ESPN. Ribs and BK coming up. Time check presented by Clarkson Jewelers. It is 1051 here in St. Louis. Jamie Rivers, Brandon Kylie. I- I'm watching up on the, the TV here, and it, they're, they're just pounding the last dance. I mean, that's all there is. I mean, what else is going on, right? Oh, yeah. So I posed the question to you, Jamie Rivers. I think it'd be interesting. If there was a last dance for the NHL, who's in the last dance? Who would you want to see? Or what do you know that you could tell us that would be interesting? <laughs> well, my the first two guys came to mind right away were or teammates of mine, of course, Brett Hull and Chris Chelios. Hully would be incredible. Hully would be incredible. Like It would honestly be like can't miss TV. And there's so, many, there's so much meat on the bone there with Hully, too, with having the father that was – the Golden Jet, and you know, scoring 500 goals and being one of the pioneers of the curve and the slap shot and all that stuff, and growing up to be Bobby Hull's son—that's a whole like two or three episodes right there where you're kind of sorting it out. And then Brett, once he turned pro, like we know the stories are legendary. Yeah, I mean, right up until like the stories continue right into the Stanley parade. Cup parade, parade. <laughs> um, for which he's probably still recovering to this day. But yeah, Hollywood would be a no-brainer. And then Chris Chelios. I mean, this guy was a monster out there. He played the game harder than anybody out there, at least as hard as anybody out there. Played till he was 47. But this guy ran the horses, man. Like, there was no, like, trotting around the track. He ran the horses hard every single day of his life. Do you think of him more as a Blackhawk or as a Red Wing? I personally think of him more as a Red Wing. And yeah. the only reason my brain defaults to that is that was kind of – my prime, right, was he had just been traded to the Red Wings, and then I played with him in Detroit. So I, I view him as a Red Wing, but I do remember him as a Blackhawk, and he was phenomenal there. BK, give me a guy you want to see the last dance on. I don't, I don't care if it's hockey, baseball, basketball, whatever. What do, you, what do you want to see? I think there's only one other sports documentary that hasn't been done yet to this extent that can still be done, and it's Tiger Woods. The book's been written out there a little bit. We know some of the details. We know what's been publicly available. But just like Michael Jordan, there's footage that we haven't seen that is being shown for the first time in this Jordan documentary. I I wonder going forward if other sports entities or teams are going to start doing behind the scenes more because of what we've seen here. Well, I guarantee you that your boy LeBron over there, he probably hired a camera crew the day after the first episode of Last Dance, and he's going to try and be... You know, trying to one-up Michael with one of those. So I expect it very much so. I, I would want to see Tiger. I mean, the Tiger stuff. But we've seen some of the stuff with him in his younger days. And I think because of what he's gone through, he's so private for the most part. I don't think there's any way that he would do it. Baseball would be interesting. Like a pool holes one would be interesting. Uh, a Mike Trout one would be interesting. The even tough though- part with those, Dan, is y- you don't have the off-field stuff that's as interesting as it was with Michael. Because Michael was well, such an icon. you don't have off icon. days either. True, true. That's, that's a problem. I mean, you know, that's the thing. Like, when you go to Chelios and you go to Hall or any of these guys, as you know, Jamie, you, you guys had nights where you'd fly into a city and you got the off night, so you're going to have a dinner and do whatever, and then next day you may play, or maybe you don't. Sometimes you have two or three days off. That's where it gets fun. Well, i tell you what. Having commercial flights when I first came in was actually kind of fun because you had to fly out the day before the game, and then you the next day you played the game, and then you couldn't leave until the next morning. 
So no matter where you were, you'd always spend the night after. So, you know, you put on your best suit and you go out and you have a couple of nice cold cocktails and maybe too many. And then you still have to battle to get to the 6 a.m. bus in the morning. But then charter flights came in and so yeah. the luxury went up. Uh, of having your own plane, per se, and doing all that. But then you'd always leave right after the game. Sure. So there's so much more time spent, you know, in the next city right away or back home quickly. But, yeah, you do. You have a couple of days off here and there. But it's, it's you know, not like baseball. These guys are married to the game for the entire regular season. What do you got coming up on the show? So coming up today, we are going to continue celebrating our buddy Chris Duncan's life uh, at 11 o'clock, or excuse me, 12 o'clock. We've got Ryan Ludwig, uh, former Cardinals outfielder, talking about Chris Duncan, and then we will catch up with Gary Bennett coming up at 1.30 as well. A lot of that throughout the day, and I want to talk about this Pujols thing. We'll talk about that in the open. Could he actually be a realistic option for the Cardinals if the DH is implemented whenever his current contract is up with the Angels? We'll get into that coming up in just a little bit. Jamie Rivers, Brandon Kiley, I'm Dan McLaughlin. This is 101 ESPN.